Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. Welcome to Genesee Valley Church's online podcast. GVC is a non-denominational church in Flint, Michigan, and our mission is simple. To love God, love people, and love life. I know that you will be blessed by the message and the words that God has for you today. Now, here's Pastor Tony. So today we're talking about what if God can be in our families. If you recall, just as you heard Sandy uh, sharing the story of Paul's daughter. In fact, I, I really wanted to have Paul and Sandy share their story together, but just uh, their schedules were conflicting. And then again, it just was kind of a last minute thing when we were able to get Sandy in here. And so uh, Paul, he could really have shared the perspective from, from a dad's perspective as well. But if you'll notice that what Sandy said was that when it came to their daughter and the news was grim, their first response was to say, let's invite God into this situation. Let's invite God. Because she said, I had every opportunity to get into fear. I had every opportunity to say, oh God, what now? What's the outcome? But she said, God, we invite you to get in the affairs of our life, in our family. And so as we talk about family, I want to share a few things. And obviously when we think about family, that whole context of family is really subjective isn't it in the world in which we live in because everybody has a different ideal of what family means but how many of you know that God is the originator and the creator of family in fact the only reason that we exist is because God was lonely and he said I wanted a family I want to I want to hang out with some some of my family my children I want to just I want to spend the rest of my days having fellowship and interaction with people that I can love and that will love me in return How many of you know that turned out real good? (laughs) We messed it up real good, but he loved us in spite of it, didn't he? Even God's family messed up or had a mess, and he says, I'm going to fix that too. But once again, when we look at the context of family, it's subjective because in today's society, it's really broken. The vast majority of the families that we know, maybe your own personal experiences, it's broken. Very seldom do we see that there is a family unit that consists of a of a mom and a dad that are actively engaging and working together. In our culture today, sometimes that looks like two dads or two moms. And again, we're talking about the context of what family really is meant to be. That God wants to get in the midst of our family and be real and to be known. And for us to truly experience the design The joy of what family was meant to be. What if God can be in our families? Before I really get into the heart of my message this morning, I just want to give you a little bit of a disclaimer that uh, the direction that I somewhat intended on going has changed a little bit. And how many of you know that there's things in life that have a way of shaking you? And in the midst of that shaking, it has an opportunity of putting things in perspective. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Where life isn't just easy. There's bumps that come along in the road. And when those shakings start to happen, it has the opportunity of shaking clarity in your life to where you start to look at what is the priority of life. And so, with what I share with you this morning, 
it's a little bit somber. It's a little bit sobering. And it even might be a little bit direct. And I don't mean to be harsh in any way. So let me just say that on the front end. I just want you to know that God, even as a pastor, sometimes has the opportunity to shake perspective in our lives. You know what I mean? So, just last night, my wife and I, we were just kind of retiring for the night. The kids were in bed. It was probably about 9.30 at night. And the phone rang. And as I looked down on my phone, I saw the name. And it was a friend that I went to Bible college with in Oklahoma. And we don't talk very often. Every once in a while, we'll text. I'll shoot him a text saying, hey, just thinking about you, praying for you, love you, that kind of thing. Or I might visit him when I'm in Oklahoma. But we don't have regular dialogue. And, and, and I don't know the last time that he's ever called me on the phone. But when the phone rang and I saw his name, my wife says, you better take that. And I knew that there was something going on because he was calling. And I'm thinking, man, my phone's almost dead. I'm scurrying to get the... The phone jack plugged in so it doesn't die on me. And so I answered the phone. I said, hello. And he says, hey, Tom. And he says, how you doing? I said, oh, I'm doing good. He says, you know, I saw the new church, man. Great, great, great. Praise God. And then he says, hey, let me get to, right to the, the point of why I called. He didn't mix words. He just basically said, hi, I saw the church. Hope all is well. But let me get to the point of why I called. He said, my brother and his girlfriend just had a baby. He said, my brother is six years younger than I am. And he says, in fact, my brother is not saved. He's not a Christian, nor is his girlfriend. And he said, they went in to have the baby yesterday afternoon. And he says, you know, they're a little bit of the free-spirited kind of individuals. He says, you know, they're vegans. Not that vegans are, <laughs> I don't know why I compared that. He, he just said, you know, they're, they're of that free spirit nature. And he says, they didn't want to go into the traditional doctors. They went into the birthing center. And he says, as they were there, he said... Her water broke and everything seemed to be going well. And he said, but all of a sudden the heartbeat started to slow, slow down for the baby. And he said it continued to slow down. They finally got to the place where they thought well, we better get into the hospital. They got into the hospital and by the time they got to the hospital, the baby had died. 42 weeks, nothing had been wrong up until this point. But at 42 weeks, the baby died. Now, you realize that the baby's still in there. And so, therefore, this mom has to go through every single bit of labor as though the baby was alive. So, she delivers the baby. They swaddle it up. They put a hand on it, take pictures, take uh, feet prints and hand prints. Give her the little baby. Nine pounds something. They send him a picture of his little nephew. His name is Copper. He said, you know, that little baby was so beautiful. Just picture perfect. But something went wrong. And he says, I'm just asking, will you pray for my brother and his girlfriend? He said, will you pray for them? He said, because I know, number one, that they're experiencing tremendous guilt because her mom is from Michigan and she was a, a nurse and she kept telling her daughter, just go to the hospital. Don't do it that way. Go to the hospital. And he says, I can just imagine the tremendous guilt that she's experiencing. If I just would have went to the hospital, if I would have just listened to my mom. He said, I can only imagine the, the grief and just the heartache that my brother's going through. She said, he said, will you pray for them that just the peace of God 
would just envelop them. And more than anything, in the midst of this, somehow that they could find God in the midst of this heartache. He said, will you do that for me? And I said, man, I will. I'm on it, man. I said, we'll pray. Here he's asking for prayer for his brother and his girlfriend that don't know God. And he's inviting God to get into the mix of his brother's life. God, help him. God, intervene. Give them peace. Give them strength. You heard Sandy ask the question. I don't want to ask the question, what if God is not in our families? For those of us that are believers, that are followers of Christ, we all go through grief and we go go through the challenges of life. But at least we have the, the strength of God, the mercy of God, the love of God to draw on in those times of hardships. How dark and how difficult it must be for individuals that don't know Jesus and they're going through the heartaches of life. Thank God that God honors our prayers when we pray for our family and our loved ones that are apart from Christ. And He still intervenes on our behalf because we ask Him. Yet they may not know or sense or even experience to know what that is that God is doing simply because they're apart from Him. What if God can be in our marriage? What if God can be in our families? The awesome thing about that story is, is that that little boy, Copper, is in heaven. He breathed his last on this earth, but when he opened his eyes, Jesus is holding them. And he has the opportunity to grow. But folks, listen to me. That little boy may never, ever get to know who his mommy and daddy are if they never come to know Jesus. That mama and daddy may never have the opportunity to ever hug their little boy if they never make a choice to invite Christ into their life. That's a scary thought, isn't it? As I said, life has an opportunity of throwing some bumps in the road. To put things in perspective. And last week I was at the church. Tuesday night. In fact I was leaving here roughly. Shortly after 9 o'clock in the evening. And as I'm heading home. I thought well you know what. I might as well stop at. McDonald's and get a Diet Coke. (laughs) Diet Coke for the road home. You know McDonald's. You know nobody does Diet Coke. Like McDonald's does. I thought you know I'll pull into McDonald's. Get a Diet Coke for the road home. And as I'm sitting in line waiting for my order to come up, my phone is in the council of my truck and I saw it light up. And if your phone's like mine, I got an iPhone. And so if there's a message, oftentimes there's a little banner that comes up on your phone that says who the message is from. And there's a little abbreviated message of part of what maybe they texted texted you, right? And so as I saw it light up, I picked it up and I looked at it and it said, hi, this is Jill. Bill's girlfriend, and those names aren't their names, but for the sake of protecting their identity, we'll just call them Jill and Bill. Hi, this is Jill, Bill's girlfriend. And just seeing that banner of those words only, I knew exactly what the rest of the message was going to be. You see, Bill was my childhood friend. 
I met him in fifth grade. And it was just within the first week of school. And coming into middle school, you know, all the elementary surrounding the area come together. And so oftentimes you can come into class and not know who's in your classroom because there's multiple schools that are being combined. And so there was this kid that I never knew before I met him. And he kind of had this cocky attitude, but I had a kind of a cocky attitude as well. And so uh, my first encounter with him was in the bathroom and we were nose to nose and toe to toe getting ready to go at it. But all the while I'm thinking, there's something about this Bill I like. (laughs) I like him. And that first encounter led us into a relationship where he was my best friend. He was my best friend for several years. I mean, he was always at my house. I was always at his house. Uh, he came on family vacations, hunting, fishing trips. I mean, when it was Christmas time, he would come over to the family Christmas. He was part of the family. He was like a brother. I mean, for years, we were thicker than thieves and some of the stupid stuff that we did. I'm thinking, how in the world are we even alive today? And I'm thinking, my goodness. But when it came about my sophomore or junior year, we started to part ways. And oftentimes, you know, as you start getting older, you start getting introduced to girls and he ended up meeting this girl. And so therefore the girl took his attention. But unfortunately, this girl wasn't the best of character and the best of influence. And as a result, he began to get sucked into a particular lifestyle. And again, we just began to grow further and further apart. And it had been some time since I had spoke with him. He actually dropped out of high school. And then one afternoon, my parents got a call, and it was the court. And the court says, uh, we've got Bill, and he's been having some difficulties, and has been having some difficulties with his dad. He said, would you be interested in coming down and possibly considering taking legal guardianship? Well, you see, Bill lived with his grandmother his mom had abandoned him when he was a baby he never knew who his mom was his dad was just a deadbeat loser and forgive me for being so candid but that's the kind of guy that he was he worked for gm had a great opportunity but he worked extremely hard not having to work in fact all that he ever purposed to do was smoke smoke pot and run with his friends and never give an ounce of time to his son so his son never had a father or father figure. And so as he got older, the grandmother died and his grandmother left his left her house to her son Bill, but Bill's dad wanted the house. And so again there was all this conflict that began to rise up as a result of him getting older and the conflict with his father. And so the court called my parents and said, "Would you be interested in taking legal guardianship of Bill?" And they said, "We'll do that." So Bill really legally became my brother. You see at my house There was rules, there was structure, there was order, there was accountability, there was responsibility, and of all things, you're going to go to church. You see, Bill got in a habit, in a a lifestyle of not having any kind of accountability, running and doing his own thing. And so I don't even know if it lasted a week or two weeks, but finally Bill got to the point where he says, I can't do this, it's too hard to live here. And he went on his way. I saw Bill t- from time to time throughout my life at different kind of, it is different times, you know, at the county fair or something, Walmart. Never had a relationship with him outside of high school, but I'd bump into him. And every time I would bump into him, he just looked horrible. 
sunk in face, teeth missing. I mean, just looked pitiful. He, he, he looked like he was strung out on drugs all the time. Just looked horrible. And then less than a year ago, he called me out of the blue. Don't even know how he got my number. He said, hey, he said, I'm, I'm going through some rough times. And just kind of chatted a little bit with me on the phone. I said, well, hey, let's get together, Bill. And so we got together for lunch. And as I'm talking to him, he's giving me his story. And he's telling me how bad things are. And really what it came down to, he's like, I just need some money. Well, I didn't know whether or not he would use money for drugs or what it was that he needed the money for. But the one thing that I knew for sure is that knowing how much of a heart my, had, my, my parents had for Bill, that if he couldn't get money for me, he just might go to my parents. And because my parents still loved him like their son, they, they would try to help him as best they could. So I tried to protect my parents. And I said, you know what? I'll give you some money. And the only reason I gave him some money, and really, it really kind of just irritated me, the fact that I gave him some money, because I'm thinking, oh, I don't know what you're going to do with this, but nevertheless, I'm going to protect my parents and keep you out of the picture of their life, because I don't want you to take advantage of mom and dad. But in the midst of that conversation, we started talking about church, started talking about God. He knew that I was a pastor. He says, man, I know that I need to get God back in my life. I know, I know that I need to get to church. I know that my life is messed up. I know that my kids are are." are Turning into who I am. He says, I'll come to church next Sunday. Well, he never came next Sunday or any Sunday after that. And so as I'm looking at the phone and I'm seeing the banner, Hi, this is Jill, Bill's girlfriend. I hit the banner and it opened up. This is Bill's girlfriend. Bill died yesterday. Just wanted to see if you'd help with the memorial. Bill thought a lot about you. Or a lot of you. And upon seeing that text. I just began to get so mad. As I'm sitting there in the line. I'm just gritting my teeth. And I'm thinking about this. Young boy that I grew up with. And all the potential that he had. All the opportunities. And you realize life is nothing more than. A matter of choices that we make. And I'm thinking of the road that he went down. The life that he was living. Just, man, it was just an ugly life. And I'm thinking about his dad. And I'm getting mad. And I'm thinking, if you'd only have been a father to him. If you'd only have loved him. If you'd only just been invested in his life. Maybe he wouldn't be in this position right now. And I wasn't grieving. I wasn't mourning. I wasn't sad that he was dead. I was just mad. It didn't have to be this way. Because I knew that little boy win. And there was so much potential. Can I just tell you a quick story? <laughs> it's just funny. I just, it came to me as I was thinking. Because he brought it up when we met a year ago when we were in the restaurant. Because we were always fighting, man. We, we were always trying to one-up one another and see who was tougher than the other. And so I was in karate for years. And so we were on one of our fishing trips one time. And he was with us. And so, we're just kind of sparring around, and my dad says to him, he says, I bet you he can kick you upside of your head before you can do anything about it. And he says, yeah, right. So we kind of squared off, and I, whop, and I kicked him upside the head, and he just like, I guess he can. (laughs) And so, again, that was just kind of funny to me. But he reminded me of that. He says, do you remember that time? I said, I remember it very good. (laughs) So anyways, <laughs> anyways, 
I'm thinking, like I said, I'm mad that it didn't have to be this way because this young guy had so much potential. And then I'm thinking about mom and dad and I'm thinking, should I call them? Or should I wait in the morning? It's about 9.30 at this point in time. So I'm driving down the road and I'm contemplating. I thought, you know what? I'm just going to call him. So dad answers the phone and I say, hey. I said, just got a message from Bill's girlfriend and Bill died yesterday. And that was about the extent of the conversation. It got quiet and he's like, oh man. I said, well, that's all. That's all. Bye. And I hung up the phone. And like I said, I wasn't emotional. I wasn't sad that he was gone. But the moment I hung up the phone from my dad, it just hit me. And I just began to cry. Because the biggest question that I had in my heart was, did he go to hell? I don't know where Bill went. I know all the choices that he had the opportunity to make Jesus the Lord of his life. I know all the opportunities that he had to be a part of our family, but chose not to. I know the opportunities that my father and my mother chose to be a father and mother figure to his life. But he says, I don't want that. And just less than a year ago, he's saying, I know That I need to go to church. I know that I need to invite God in my life. But for whatever reason. It wasn't the right time. And it wasn't the right season. I'm saying God did he go to heaven. You see God. Loves us so much. But we don't have an opportunity to go to heaven. Unless we invite Jesus into our life. You might say well God would never. Send my kids to hell. God would never send me to hell. He's never sent anybody to hell. He's never rejected any of his kids. He's never rejected you. It's a question of whether you've rejected him. It's a question of whether we've invited him into our lives. It's a question of whether we've said, Jesus, come into my life. I invite you into my family. God's just wanting to be Invested in her life. And the question is, is what if? The question is, is what if he's not? If he's not, it's because you chose not to invite him in. Listen, when it comes to our kids, it's our responsibility to bridge that gap between God and our kids. The week before Easter, there was a woman that contacted me on Facebook. She doesn't go to this church, but she says, hi, Pastor Tony. She said, I just had a question for you. She said, we're wanting to go to church on Easter, and I want to take my nephew to to church with me. But my father is saying that I shouldn't take him because he's just a little kid, and therefore I should wait until he gets older so that he can make his own choice of whether he wants to go to church or not. She goes, "Uh, should I take him to church? What's your opinion? I just want to... Wanted to get your advice. And I responded back with a scripture. The Bible says, I didn't give her chapter and verse. I just simply said, the Bible says to train up a child in the ways that they should go. And when they get older, they'll not depart from them. 
They might sway, they might waver, but it's our responsibility to train up our children to walk with God, to invite God into their life, to have a relationship with Him. Because this whole religious thing, this religion, religion will send you to hell quicker than anything else. It's the relationship with God of saying, God, I want you in my life. And God is so desperately waiting, just wanting to be involved with your family. He's not this God that is afar off. He wants to be right in your home. He's not a God that is hard and judgmental. He's a loving, merciful God. He's not judging you based on your past. He's Your past is what Jesus did on the cross. So therefore, if there was anything He was judging you by, it's the past of what Jesus did for you. Therefore, He sees you being perfect in the eyes of God because of what Christ did. He says, I just want to know you. My mom and dad just got back from being in Florida just a couple of weeks ago. And they were spending, well, it was about a month they were gone. And they were down with my sister and her husband and their, their four daughters down in Florida. And my dad's foot had been bothering him a little bit, for a while anyways. And my sister and her husband and their family, they just love God. Their little girls are all under the age of 11, four of them. They still want more. Go figure. <laughs> Maybe the Florida heat baked their brain. I don't know. It's like, oh my gosh. Four. And they got four girls. And they keep saying, we're going to try until we get that boy. I'm like, dear God, you might not ever get it. But anyways. <laughs> but anyways. My niece, 11 years old. Came out one morning. Saw Grandpa. Said, Grandpa, I had a dream last night that I prayed for your foot and your foot got better. And Grandpa said, Well, do you want to pray for my foot? She said, Yeah, 11 years old. So she prayed for Grandpa's foot. He says, You know, it got better. He said, I was going home. He says, I could tell it wasn't the same. Why? Because a little girl that has a relationship with God, you mean kids can know God? Absolutely. How does a little kid get to have a relationship with God? Because the family began to make God and invite God in the midst of their home and says, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. It's not, it's not somebody's responsibility to train your children it's not somebody else's responsibility to introduce them to God. It's not somebody else's responsibility to help your kids have a, re- a relationship with God. It's ours. And you might say, my kids are older. They're gone. They're out of the house. Maybe you say, I messed up. What you can do now is simply fall in love with God so much so that the love of God permeates you. And they begin to say, God... I want to know you because I see how much my mom and dad has changed. I want to know you because my mom and dad have never loved me the way that they love me right now. God, I want to know you because I've seen the transformation. I want to know you. It's never too late. It's never too late. Let me give you a couple statistics here. 88% of children raised in Christian families leave church at the age of 18 and never return. That tells me it's religion versus relationship. Majority of adults no longer consider Christianity America's default faith. 
64% of decisions for Christ are made before the age of 18 and 77% are made before the age of 21. An estimated 4% of the millennial generation. Again, I'm not picking on millennials. I'm just simply sharing the stats. The estimated or an estimated 4% of the millennial generation will be Bible-believing Christians when they reach adulthood. Their grandparents' generation, 65% were Christians. Their parents' generation was 35%. The millennial generation is the one that's growing up right now having children. If only 4% of them are believing that God is God and have a relationship with Jesus, we're one generation from being a godless country, a godless nation, a godless people. 60% of the 20-somethings say that they were involved in church as a teenager, but no longer are. Only 20% of kids maintain the same level of spiritual activity during their 20s that they did during their teenage years. God desires to have a relationship with us. It's not going to a church that gets you to heaven. You may even said, well, listen, I prayed a prayer one time. I was even sincere when I prayed the prayer. There's a story in Luke chapter 15 concerning the prodigal son. If you remember the story of the prodigal son, the Bible says that he was an adult. Chose to walk away from his father. But the Bible, Jesus likens it unto us. Having a relationship with him. He says that son came to a place in his life. Where he said I've sinned against God. And I've sinned against my father. And here I've lived the life of party. And lived the life of Riley. And here I am in the the, the pig's pen eating pig slop. And the Bible literally says he came to his senses. And says I've sinned against God. I've sinned against my father. Maybe I can just go back and be a servant in my father's household. And as he made his way back to his father's house, the Bible says that his father was looking for him. He grabbed a hold of his father, and his father grabbed a hold of him. And he says, Dad, I've sinned against God, and I've sinned against you. I'm not worthy to be called your son. He said, let me just be a servant in your household. And the Bible says that the father restored him. Here's my question for us. How is it that that son... Came to his senses. Because even though he ran away. There was a season and a time. Where there was a father that was pouring the love of God into him. Giving him the training of this is how we serve God. This is what family looks like when we serve God. And as a result of that, he came back because of the foundation that he had. But statistics are telling us that there are children that are walking away from their faith because there was never a relationship. It was all about religion. Now, I know some might say, well, the the Bible says that, that no man can pluck you out of the Father's hands. Well, the Bible also says, That there are those, Jesus is speaking, he said, there are those that said, did we not do miracles in your name? Did we not cast out devils? Did we not do all these things for your name's sake? And Jesus said, depart from me, I never knew you. See, many times people are trying to get fire insurance. 
Well, I prayed a prayer. But Jesus is saying, I want to know you. I want to know you. Not knowing you so I can slap you upside the head whenever you mess up. I want to know you so that I can love you. I want to know you so I can bless you. I want to know you so I can get in your life and you can experience all that I desire for you. It's all about having a relationship with him. I want to challenge you this morning. Wherever you're at in your relationship with God, there's always more. There's always going further and coming to know Him. And it's just simply saying, God, I invite you. I want you to take a look at one more story before we close. I'm going to come back up and I'm going to pray. Look at one more story from somebody in your church family that said, we invited Jesus to be in our family. There were a lot of new fears that came into play. And having God in the center of our family was the one thing that I found most vital in our lives. Um, Because just when anything happens, um, illness or just anything, the enemy has a really good way of coming in and trying to tell you that it's the worst possible outcome. Um, And with Jordan and I being on the same page with things, it was one of the key things in our lives to be able to stand on God's foundation and trust and know that the enemy has no say in our lives. Well, having God in the center of our family has been a huge help because having times like Malachi running 105 fever (laughs) and me standing there bawling my eyes out and Jordan standing there strong and then having me pray a prayer of faith and healing. And it was just a moment where even with tears flowing and fear inside, my words were completely different to a point where I started believing and trusting and having faith 100% that, no, he's fine. Like, <laughs> And it was confirmed by the doctor. So what if God was in your family? Anytime things happen, there's nothing to worry about. <laughs> There'll be times where worry comes out, but... It's just speaking words of faith and standing on His promises. And it's a huge game changer in our lives. And it's the one thing that can hold us together. It's the only thing that can hold us together. Those are people that you do life with. They're just sharing their story. I was talking with Jacqueline and Jordan just these past couple days. We were out of town at a conference with them and some other ones that are here within the church. And she was sharing that story. I didn't realize that was part of her testimony there. But she shared that. She said when he was running that high temp, Jordan, the head of the home, says, let's get on this. Let's invite God. Jordan, being the head of the home, recognizing that his wife was in a position of concern and worry and fear, says, okay, let's stand in what we know. Now, honey, I want you to pray. And she said in that moment, it's like all that fear rising up, but then faith started to overcome the fear. 
And she said, when I started to pray, it sounded different. Something came out of me different. She said, in fact, I was almost angry. No. You can't do that, devil. In Jesus' name, be well. And she said, as we invited God to be in our family, to pray prayers of faith and say, God, we are not going to just sit back and lay down, but God, we want you to be the God that you say you are. God stepped in and showed up. He's the same God that wants to step into your life. He just wants to mess you up. And I say that in a good way. You know what I mean? He just wants to mess your world up. Just sort of like, oh dear God, could it really be this good? Oh, could it actually get any better? Oh my gosh, it did get better. I mean, it can't even get better than this. Oh my goodness, God, you're so awesome. God loves us so much. Let's stand, please. I'm just going to say a prayer. And if it just somehow hits you where you're at, I just want you to grab hold of that prayer by faith and say, I believe that and that's mine. Amen. Jacqueline and Jordan, after we're done praying, they're just going to uh, play an abbreviated song and they're going to let us go. Let's go out knowing that God can be in the midst of our families. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray for every single person that's under the sound of my voice. Those that are in this room, those that are listening online, in the name of Jesus, we invite you right now to be in the middle of our life. Not on the sidelines, not in the rearview mirror, not a mile ahead of us, but God, right in the middle of our lives. We invite you, God. We invite you to take the lead so that we can follow you. We invite you to take control. We surrender right now, not to be in reserve or have you in reserve for when it's uh, convenient. But God, we say we want to surrender all of our lives to you. Surrender our families. Surrender our marriages. Surrender our desires. Because God, when we surrender to you, invite you into our life, into our families, that's when you can begin to take hold, begin to... Uh, to, to, to begin to mold and shape the very family and the foundation of our lives the way that you desired, the way that you created it to be. So we thank you right now that there is transformation, changes taking place right now in the name of Jesus. And God, I speak peace to that individual right now where it seems like The storm is raging against their home, against their family, against their life. God, I speak peace to that circumstance. God, I thank you for strength in the name of Jesus. I thank you for clarity. I thank you for wisdom in the name of Jesus. Everyone said, Amen. Don't forget to subscribe.
subscribe to this podcast and take a look at all of our social media sites, which can be found at our website, gvchurch.tv. We know that today's message has been a blessing to you. Thanks for listening. We are Genesee Valley Church, loving God, loving people, and loving life.